excited about today. Uh, we're going to be talking about worship, and I think there's some things we can all uh, take away from this, and I know God has something something for you, so we're just going to open with prayer. God, uh, thank you again for us being able to gather here, Lord, and this is your your time, Lord, and uh, please pour into your people right here, God, and give us ears uh, to hear, God, a heart to receive, uh, Lord, and God, if there's some things uh, that we need to lay down uh, at your feet, God, I pray that we surrender that. Uh, Father, I just, again, just pray we're open uh, to what you have for us today. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for sending Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. I don't know why. I had, a, I had an offering a conversation with someone, not in this room, so I just want to say this. Uh, you know, I know for different seasons of life, and uh, I know we take up offering and I just want to tell you, we haven't done an offering sermon in a while, uh, but if, if uh, this is just such a weird, because it doesn't fit in with this at all, but I really feel like I need to just say this. If your heart is like, oh, here's the church taking up offering again, then don't put anything in it. Okay? I love you. <laughs> it's not about that. And if that's what you think it's about, uh, if anybody in here thinks it's about that, then it's not. <laughs> it's not. And so keep your money and use it how you want to. Uh, uh, this is, it's, a, it's a thing that God gives to us uh, to be able to be generous and to not cling to something, you know, for a security blanket or trust, as Phil was talking about. And we do that with money, right? I think we've all struggled with that at some point in our life. Uh, just money is kind of that thing. And so, man, uh, you know, I hope your heart is that everything we have is the Lord's and he's allowed us to be a steward of it. And so we, we aren't seeking money here at Cross Plains uh, it, it is it is for his kingdom and his glory, and uh, we try to be good stewards of what he's given us. And I just, again, I love you if that's for you, and you need to hang on to your money because your heart's not right, then do that. That's biblical. It says give with the right heart. And so if your heart's not right, then then don't, don't do that right now. Get that right with God first. So anyway, side note, let's jump in. All right, so we've been on a, we've been on a journey, and... Uh, I'm a terrible pastor, by the way. I just told you not to give, and on Easter Sunday, I told you to go to another church. I don't know. Um, I'm, who knows? The squirrels. All right. Um, so we've been on this journey, right? And and, uh, it, and I know I keep, you're like, one day I'm going to stop talking about this journey we're on, um, and it will be on January, the whatever the first Sunday of the year is. Actually not. I'm going to carry it into next year just a little. But we're reading through the Bible, and it's awesome. And I hope you've been doing that. And, and I always, I just want to keep inviting you. If you're not following along, jump in. The, I, I keep putting more. They keep leaving, so that's exciting. Um, there's more sheets out there to follow along with us. The June, July, however the months go. There's four of them in consecutive order. August, yeah, August and then September. Uh, they're all out there. And uh, so you can jump on board with us, you know, so that'll give you, you can still celebrate Memorial Weekend and then uh, start. Um, but, uh, but we want to invite you because it's the story of God, you know, and I really want to talk about the, the difference between reading your Bible for, for knowledge and reading your Bible for knowing God. There's a very big difference. And it really hones in on the heart of worship, which is what we're going to talk about today. So just to catch you up, I haven't done this in a little while, but, you know, remember God hey, spoke, boom, creation happened. That was a pretty cool moment. And, uh, and then there was a dude named Adam and, and, and his lady, uh, Eve, and they uh, messed up, you know, and he blamed her and she blamed him. Still going on, right? 
Uh, that's what we do. And uh, so they were, they were uh, supposed to be stewards of the garden, right? Just like we're supposed to be stewards of what God's given us, same thing. They were created and like, hey, tend to the garden. They had this perfect relationship with God and each other. Their marriage was perfect for a little while. Awesome, right? Um, and, uh, and then, you know, this little snake uh, came into the picture and, and uh, they fell to some temptation. And we all can relate to that. Um, and uh, there were consequences to that. And just like we've talked about, God's very polite. We've seen that over and over again. He, he gives whatever, what you want, he's, he's going to let you have, you know? So if it's not him, he's going to let you find out the hard way, you know, because uh, he is polite. And so they, they, wanted, to, they wanted to eat of the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they got what they wanted. Um, they ate of it. And so then they got to live from that point forward on their own wisdom. Didn't work out super well for them, but that's what happened. And, uh, and then having babies hurt and men had to work the ground and all kinds of sin consequences. And then just the entire earth and all creation was punished in it, right? And so there's mosquitoes now and thorns and all kinds of stuff. Elias said that the other day, Dad, why did God make mosquitoes? <laughs> it was awesome. And, uh, you know, they get evicted from this incredible garden. Uh, Shay and I, we got to visit the Biltmore uh, on Friday, and, and they have just this beautiful garden. And I was thinking about the Garden of Eden, and I was like, man, like this is incredible, and I just can't imagine what God's garden looked like, you know. Oh, my gracious. And so they get evicted, so that had to be terrible, you know. And then they also got to die and enter death, man. And, um, and so we've all been living in the consequences of that moment, and, but God, in, in the middle of that, he promises Eve this offspring that's going to come and defeat the serpent, right? And so that's what this story has been. We've, we're on this story, uh, getting to know God and his heart, and it's leading up to Jesus. We haven't made it there yet, but Jesus has been in the mix the whole time. There's been prophecies about him and all this stuff, and, and it keeps pointing to the lineage of, of Jesus. And so, um, so anyway, and then Noah comes on the scene, and he's righteous, and God saves him through the big boat and uh, the flood, and, and uh, he's a good guy, but he's not perfect, and, and we get into Abraham, and God makes this awesome promise to Abraham, and him and Sarah, you know, they take it upon their own, yeah, we can figure this out, Lord, because uh, there's no way we can have a kid, and of course, they mess that up, and God gives him a kid anyway, and his name's Isaac, and then God tests Abraham, and he passes the test, and he provides a lamb for him, I know, this is like a buzz-through version of this, and so, uh, so all this happened, his, his name was Isaac, and it changed to Israel, and he had a whole bunch of kids, and it became the 12 tribes of Israel, right? And so one of, one of his sons, his name's Joseph, and his brothers didn't like him because, you know, I mean, he was kind of, you know, uh, he was the favorite, and uh, he knew it, and pretty sure being a young man, he probably shoved that in their face a little bit. Um, sorry, Joseph, if that's not true. Um, but he wasn't liked, so he, he ends up being sold into to slavery, he ends up in Egypt. But God was working things out for the good, right? The whole time, it looked like, oh man, poor Joseph, poor Joseph, poor Joseph. But God was working things out. And so Joseph ends up coming out of prison and saving Egypt, honestly. Uh, I mean, he saved Egypt. And in the process, he ended up saving the family of God. And so the family of God is saved, but they end up in the lands of Egypt, and they grow to be big, and Egypt gets scared, and so they enslave them. And so then they're in Egypt in slavery. Yay! Uh, and so Moses comes along, wee little lad, in a basket, and, and uh, grows up in, 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 the, in, in the king's house, Pharaoh. Yes, that's his name. And, uh, 
gets all kinds of leadership training and all this stuff, and then he's defending his people, and he kills somebody. He runs away out in the desert, and God uses sheep to finish his training. Awesome plan. Um, and so Moses comes back, and through a demonstration of some mighty power of God, God introduces himself to the world and delivers his people. And so they cross this sea, and you know, and all this stuff happened. They, they get out in the wilderness for about two seconds, and they start whining and complaining, and and they don't like the food, and they don't want to go to Chick-fil-A. They want this today, and, and you know, that's what my kids do. We're going to go to Chick-fil-A again? I'm like, what? what's wrong with you? It's like Jesus' chicken. Um, spoiled. Oh. So they're wondering. They complain. They rebel. Consequences, they repent, right? It's just a cycle. We just keep going through it over and over again. Different names, same people. And uh, finally, you know, they get to, the God's promising this land, but they won't behave, so they don't get to go in. And finally, Joshua comes on the scene, they fight some battles, and they kind of get it. And uh, they kind of get to go in the land. And then there's this darkness time again. And they're like, you know what? All these other nations, they got a king. We need a king. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, and all the time they had one, they just didn't want to obey him. So they wanted an earthly king. They wanted to be like the other nations. So God's like, okay. And uh, enter, enters Saul, even though Samuel warm, warns, warns them, hey, this is going to go bad. Nah, it doesn't matter. We want a king. Okay. So he gets Saul, and Saul looks the part, right? I mean, he's the guy. I mean, he's just the king of kings kind of dude. And he ends up uh, choosing his way instead of God's. And then, uh, and then we come to David, where we've, we've been for a little while. And, you know, David gets anointed. He, he wasn't the... the you know, you looked at him, you just didn't see a king, and, and so, but God did. He saw his heart, and so he's been fleeing from Saul this time, and, and so we've been hearing his story about how he got to, to come into being the king, and of course, again, David's a good guy, but, you know, we talked about his, his sin and what happened and uh, committing adultery and just all the, all the things and how he lamented after that. We read Psalm 51, and, uh, and next week, we're going to learn about the consequences of that action, right? Because there are consequences to sin. There just are. And I don't know why, but a lot of times when someone's elevated on a platform like a king, those consequences are heavier, you know? Um, and I think it's, I was talking to the guys this morning, I think it's one of the reasons the Bible talks about being above reproach, you know? Um, if, if God puts you in a place of leadership, man, you, you really, like, be above reproach, you know? Because Satan loves, would love to tear you down and make you fall, and again, can God get glory from our failures? Yes, we're, we see that in David's life. Man, we have, we have some incredible psalms. We're going to dig into some of them today from the aftermath of this. And David finishes strong. We're going to hear about that next week. But there were consequences, man. And, and thankfully, David, unlike a lot of his predecessors, surrendered immediately, man. When he got called out, he confessed. And, and he gave God his heart, and he gave it to God, and he was willing to walk through the difficult times with the Lord. And, and that's the key, okay? So that's where we're at. And so today, we are going to talk about worship. And we may throw some stuff in at the end. I don't know. Uh, the Lord's good, so he'll take care of that. Uh, so we're going to so focus on the Psalms today. And for some of you, you know, I've talked about poetry, right? Maybe it's your thing, maybe it's your not. So for some of you who've been reading along, I'm going to talk really fast today. Um, and uh, it, it might be a, a just total like, ah, poetry, ah, you know, and then for some of us, it's just this breath of fresh air, like you love the poetry, you know, it's like, oh, I know exactly what that means, and 
I'm, I'm, I find myself somewhere in the middle. Sometimes I read one, I'm like, wow. Then sometimes I read one, I'm like, what? Let me read it again, and I'm still like, what? And then there's some that I just read, and I'm like, okay, I'll come back to that when the Holy Spirit's ready for me to know what that means, because I have no idea. Um, and so I just move on. Uh, but I know poetry can be difficult, but I do want you to try to embrace it, because here's the truth. A third of the Bible is poetry. It's all not in Psalms, but a third of it is, is poetic. And so it, we, we really do need to embrace it and lean into it, and, and there's purpose in it. Uh, we're going to talk about the purpose of that today, so we can kind of do that. And so it's designed, the book of Psalms, this poetry is designed uh, to invite you into experience God, okay? Because it's important to experience God. Um, it does it very differently than the narrative does, all right? Because that's the other part that we get a lot of narrative. Uh, we've been reading the stories of the Bible, right? That's narrative. And, and I'm a visionary, so when I read that, you know, I'm trying to stand in David's shoes as he's chucking stones and, and walking through the Red Sea and wondering if they saw a giant squid. I, you know, who knows? I don't know. But that's where my mind goes. You know, I can play that out and kind of kind of do that visual thing. I know everybody can't do that, but maybe you can understand poetry, and I'm terrible at it. So uh, to each his own, and we got different gifts. But th it's like tools, you know, um, the right tool for the job. Uh, it's like having this set of tools that's going to move our heart to worship God. That's, that's what this is doing, okay? And I hope you see that uh, by the end of today. And so how this book works. Let's understand what, what the book of Psalms is. Uh, so it wasn't just, you know, if you go to a library today, you can go find a poem, poetry book, right? And uh, in fact, in high school, I, I had to design this cover. We had a, a, a collection of poetry from students over the years, and so I got to design the cover, and, and they called it potpourri, because that's what that means, a collection of many things. And so that's not what this is. This isn't just some random, ah, a Hebrew wrote a song. Let's put it in the book. No. Man, this was meticulously chosen. There, there's a story. If you, if you actually read it, you know, cover to cover kind of thing, there's the story of God and his people and, and this crying out to God, this idea that we need to be rescued by God in all circumstances. Okay? It covers the lowest of lows and the highs of highs, right? Uh, it's an incredible book. And it really does... Um, lead us towards the Lord. I, I hope you see that. Um, and, and one of the neat things, you know, uh, Babylon comes in and invades Israel, right? And they burn the temple down. And they, the people get scattered and exiled, actually, right? And they're out there in the wilderness and they no longer have this temple, right? Which is where they went to worship. That's where they went. Or the tent of meeting or whatever thing along the way that they went to worship in. And now they're scattered and they don't have that. But guess what they have? I hate using this word for this moment, but they have this virtual temple, right? <laughs> um, they've gone virtual, really. They had the book of Psalms that led them into worship. That's what it is, okay? And they got to carry that with them, and they, and they knew that there's a lot of repetition in the songs and, and different things. And, and again, I know we're reading it as a book, and it's a little different culture and environment and all that stuff, but they, they knew this stuff, and they could, they could sing them, and when they were going through things that that connected and related, they could sing through these songs and, and, and study them, and it just led them uh, to a place of worship. And I hope, I hope, if you're reading along with us, that knowing the narrative of David's life is giving and breathing new life into some of these songs. Like we talked about the adultery with Bathsheba and all the stuff that went down with that, 
And then we read the psalm that he wrote after that. Oh, my goodness. If that didn't connect with you, again, we need to check your pulse. I mean, he was torn up that he had sinned against God, you know? And he wanted God to restore him, and he wanted God to get glory out of it somehow and, and do something great with it. And so uh, they're very intense, they're raw, and they're emotional, you know? Um, and so if you read them kind of stoic, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it, you know? And, uh, and so, I, again, I, I just hope, I hope, there's, uh, I hope so, there's some deeper understanding going on because it's not just narration. It's r- really about getting uh, to our emotional heart. So, uh, you know, Psalm 55, I'm, we're, we're going we're gonna to look at this just a second. Um, but David is betrayed by a friend, right? And so if you go read the narrative, it's like, oh, David was betrayed and he's sad. And that's kind of how it reads. I know there's more words than that, but that's how it reads. And right, and that's true. David was betrayed and he was sad, right? Have you ever been betrayed? You're sad or mad, angry, right? You, you want to beat the fool out of somebody. We've been betrayed, probably all of us at some point. We may have betrayed at some point, right? And so there's a lot of emotion that comes with betrayal. And if you just read that, David was betrayed and he was sad. But let's read what is written in Psalm 55. We're going to read 4 through 7, and then we're going to jump down to 20 through 21. My heart is in anguish within me. The tears of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove, and I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far, far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. And then there's our words. Y'all should sing that along with me when I do that. That would be fun. Doesn't that change it for you? And in verse 20, it says, My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Man, that's a big difference between David was betrayed and he was sad, right? That's a big difference. It draws us into the emotional side of it, the real-life side of it, the raw side of what he's experiencing in this moment from being betrayed. First, another example, 1 Samuel 18, 14. Um, so uh, it talks about David just being successful. It says, uh, and David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. Right? There's the narrative. That's the facts, right? Saul had been trying to kill David. He'd been hiding all this stuff, and then David starts having all the success, and, and, uh, and so there's this verse 14. And David has success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. But it's a little game changer when we read the 23rd Psalm, right? Which you've been in church very long. We, we know that one. The first three verses, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It puts a little different perspective on it when we're talking about the shepherd leading his sheep and taking care of his sheep, right? It it just sounds different than, and David was successful in all his undertakings, right? He was successful because he was following the shepherd. He was bent and yielded to what God wanted, and he was listening to his voice, 
And he was allowing God to, to orchestrate everything that was going on. And so David was successful at all his undertakings. Psalm 42, 7 through 8. It says, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Uh, if you're reading along with us, we read that on Friday. Deep cries out to deep. God is with David. And I love the description of that, man. And, and if you've ever been in those moments, the roar of the waterfalls. Uh, we, we were standing at the base of a waterfall uh, this, this weekend. And, and man, just, just sit there and listen to that, you know. And, and I've been in the big breakers and then just, whoo, you know. Um, it's awesome stuff. And uh, it just brings about a different feeling, you know. Uh, it draws us into his presence. And, and it not only draws us in, I hope it reminds you of God's presence. Um, because this isn't just about information. It's not about information alone. Uh, we need to feel it and respond to it. It has never been about just knowledge. And sometimes we just make it about that, the rules and the knowledge, right? And I can, I can give a good debate and I can, I can do things like that. But man, it, it's about wanting to know God because we love him. Like, I desire him. And it's the difference in your sin of just knowing that you did a, a bad thing and then feeling the hopelessness that, that sin brings when it separates us from God. That's a big difference. We're wrestling with that right now with our 10-year-old. She's still 10? Yeah, for another couple months. He, he does something wrong. I'm glad he's not in here. He's like, dude. He does something wrong and like, like Caden, like there's still a lot of little child in him and, and he doesn't realize the ramifications of what he's done and so right now it's almost just informationally i did the i did a bad thing and i don't need to do it and he doesn't understand the 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 side of it that just the emotional side of it that i'm really sorry that i hurt my brother i'm really sorry that i i went against god on this it's just information and man so many christians have fallen into that i love you and i hope it's not you but if it is Start crying out for the heart after God because this is never just about information. It was never just about your Bible knowledge so you could be on the Bible Bowl team or whatever. It's about a desire to love our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. 2 Samuel 12, uh, 13. And so this is that moment, right? And, we, and again, I'm, I'm backing up a couple weeks, but I, I, but I want you to see it. And Nathan has uh, uh, confronted David on his sin, right? He calls him out, and David's like, kill that dude. And he's like, the dude's you. And uh, he's like, ah! And so he says this in verse 13, 2 Samuel 12, 13. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Narrative. Fact. That's exactly what he did. I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. That, that's a... You know, again, we know David's repentance from his sin of Bathsheba. That's a very different looking thing than Psalm 51, 7 through 12. Purge me with hyssop and, and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. That's a little different take. All right, that's getting in uh, to the heart of it. And so we need to biblically meditate. And I, and I say biblical because the word meditation is used in all kinds of crazy things out there today. And, you know, if you get into the Eastern religions and all that kind of stuff, they're all about emptying your mind, right? There's a reason they want something to come fill in, and it ain't God, okay? That is never what is meant by meditation in the biblical realm. And I'm not going to not use the word meditation because the Bible uses the word meditation. And what the Bible is after is for you to fill yourself up with God. Fill yourself up with the words of God. These Psalms are incredible. I'm telling you, maybe you don't memorize Numbers 13, right? Okay, I understand. Or the genealogies. I get it. But getting a hold of some of these Psalms that just like, man, just speak to your soul. And taking the time to memorize them so you can draw up from that deep well when you're going through the trials, man. You'll never regret that. You'll never regret it because it will draw you in. It will reshape your mind. It will begin to, to, to work on your heart when you're drawing and meditating from the words of God. We want to be filled up. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And please don't hear that and just, oh, that's the law, the Ten Commandments. No, no, no. It's the story of God. It's all of it. It's all of it. He is like a tree. Listen to this. Just for a second. I just want you to think about it. You, you start going through a hard time or a difficult time or maybe you messed up. What's the first thing we do? We reach out to our friends for advice. I can read it again if you need to. And it's not that our friends mean to be evil or wicked, right? But so often our advice and us speaking into someone else's life is based off worldly wisdom. Because we just respond, right? Somebody comes to us and we got to solve their problem and fix them and that's just what we do. Oh, I, I know, I've been through that. Let me answer it for you. We didn't spend any time on our knees. We didn't draw into the Word of God together. And we just respond and we try to get through things with the world's wisdom. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. You can't meditate on it if you don't know it. If you're not willing to crack open your Bible and actually spend some time there, you're never going to be able to meditate on it. And you're not going to be what's described next, okay? He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. I know a lot of people's gardens right now are really struggling because we have not had rain. And they're like, oh, my plants look pitiful. You'll never be that as a believer if you, if you draw from God first, first. In all that he does, he prospers. That's who we should be when we're meditating on the word of God. Worship leads to action. We can go through the motions of our faith, right? We can come in here and you can sing the songs or you don't like the screen. You open up the, the book and you can just sing those songs, man. You know them by heart maybe, but your heart's not in it. 
Or we can talk the talk, or, or, or we could have read through the entire Bible along with the church this year, and all it was for us was information. And we can easily deceive ourselves into thinking that we're doing something with the right motives, right? Because it's got God's stamp somewhere on it. And we hang our hat. And the key, and I hope you're getting this as we're digging through this with David, is having the right heart. God wants to be in your little moments and your grandest moments. And he uses our worship time to reshape our hearts and our mind. So what? So what? I hope it leads to action. So there's four things I want to say, and then we're just going to close. We're going to be a little weird in it, but we're going to close. First, I hope it, it means to lamenting. Um, and that's just owning what's going on. I did it yesterday on the interstate. Lord, these people are driving terrible. And I looked at my eyes. I'm not complaining. I'm just stating the facts. All right. There were people everywhere and now all kinds of crazy maneuvers were going on. And so I wasn't complaining. I was stating the reality of the situation. And then in lamenting, we, we confess how we want it to change. And I was like, God, please just take them all out. That'd be great. Just clear the road. It'd be wonderful. It happened when I got to my driveway. There was no one in my driveway. Oh, it was so peaceful. Um, so we, we lament. We just, we're honest about what's going on, right? We see that, the rawness in the Psalms. They're in there. And how God, we cry out that we want it, like we want this to be different, right? And we're just honest. Hope, that's not a vain wish. Like, I hope I win the lottery. No, uh, hope in the Lord is trusting that the goodness of God will not fail. And he's proven himself time and time and time and time again. So it's not just some whim, right? Oh, I hope. No, man, we, there's, there's substance in this hope. And God is going to work things out for his good. Repent. Eh. Why'd Jeff say that, Jeff? Because I hope that's what it does for you. I hope we feel the hopelessness and the pain of our sin and that it, and that it disrupts your relation, that it does disrupt your relationship with him. And I hope that causes you to repent. If you're not walking with the Lord right now, repent. Repent. Stop being prideful. We've all had to do it, and we'll probably have to do it tomorrow. Repent. And then rejoice. we got to rejoice, man, remembering, relishing, and anticipating the goodness of God. Or we can sum it up. I like to use the word celebrating, and I'm trying to get better about it. Celebrating what God has done, what He's going to do, what He's done in the past, all of it rejoicing. Psalm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes if you fall asleep. That's okay. I had a long night too. Um, I'm going to read Psalm 42 and 43. Okay. If you don't want to listen to me talk and you want to read along, I, that's fine. The spiritual police aren't going to come get you. I love that. I'm going to read it. And I just, I want you to listen. I want you to meditate on it, man. Let it, let it just fill, fill you up. And then we're going to just sing a little, uh, and kind of just close out the service that way. Um, and I love you. I, I really hope you've been engaging in these psalms, and, and I hope your hope God is just pouring into you through them. So let's, uh, let's just close our eyes. Psalm 42 and 43. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them 
in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. My salvation and my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep at the roars of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is within me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all day long, where's your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Send out your light and your truth. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. Send out your light and your truth. Let me lead them. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to your altar of God and to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre. O oh God, my God, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God.